0: We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. I want to start today with this thought. Imagine a world where we treated each other the way that God treats us. Or here to put it another way, that might be an easy way to think about it, is that we treat each other just the way that God wants us to treat each other. Now, would that be a pretty good world to live in? Yeah, I, I think that would be a pretty good world to live in. Actually, I'm happy with a bit of feedback on this one. What would it look like? Tell me, what would it look like if, we, if relationships in our world were exactly the way that God would want us to have them? What, what, would, what might be better than it is now? Daniel. Yeah, well, the police. Yeah, well, Logan would be out of a job. That's true. <laughs> Actually, his particular job, he wouldn't be out of a job, but yeah, a lot of his friends would be out of a job. Yeah. Okay. What else would be different? Better. There'd be, no lock. There'd be no locks. Yep. But what would what would what would it feel like? Yeah. Okay. Those are some of the logistics. But what would it feel like? What would it? What would what would be different? A lot to You'd be. It'd be a lot closer to heaven. Yes. Harmony, yep. No anxiety. no anxiety, yep. What's that? Unity, Unity. yep. Unity. Joy, yeah. Okay, so it's, it would be a whole lot better than it is now. And that's the way God wants it to be. That's the way he created our world to be. And for us to be in a healthy relationship with each other, we need to be in a healthy relationship with God. And it's in that relationship with God that we actually learn what a healthy, loving relationship looks like and we're able to pass that on to the world around us. In Philippians 2, verse 5, we read this verse. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. In other words, do it the way that he would do it. Another translation says this. As you deal with one another you know, that you do every day, in your families, and your workplaces, you should think and act as Jesus did. Whoa, that's, that's pretty challenging, isn't it? So what God's asking us to do here as followers of him is that we are to reflect his very nature in the relationships, that we, in our interactions that we have around us. And as we do that, the world becomes a little bit different than it is at the moment, a little bit more like the way that God wants it to be. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to go into a series called Relate. And what we mean by that is how do we reflect Christ in the relationships around us? And we're going to start by looking at how God relates to us. And we're going to go into Ephesians chapter 2 in the New Living Translation. It says this in verse 4. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all of future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us. as shown in all that He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us in, anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. The first thing that we experience in our relationship with God is grace. Grace comes first. God's grace makes the relationship with him possible. If God didn't reach out to us, we would never know God. We, you know, Religion, if you like, in the way the world looks at religion is us trying to get to God. But the message of Christianity is not us trying to get to God. The message of Christianity is that God took the initiative. God reached out to you. God loves you. God, in His grace, reached out to you. When, when we were in our sin, When we were miles away from God, God went, I love you and I want to draw you towards myself. That's grace. None of us deserved it. None of of us may have even expected it. But God extended grace to us. Now what difference does that make in our lives? It makes a massive difference. See, grace gave us the acceptance that we needed to come to God. It gave us the time that we needed to respond to his grace. Grace gave us the confidence to explore what change looked like. And as we reflect that grace in the relationships around us, it will change those relationships as well. Grace is respecting the other person. It's valuing them. It's showing them that we care. Before we've received anything in return, now I know a whole lot of questions are jumping up in your mind, but what about this? What about the other thing? We'll get to that in a minute. But let's just look at this at the moment that God has extended grace to you, and we are to extend that grace to others. Now, grace isn't jumping to conclusions, it's not judging, it's not condemning. It's not expecting other people to prove their worth to us before we'll accept them or uh, approve of them. It's not feeling that, they, that um, you've proved yourself to them so that they owe you something. That's not grace. Grace is just giving favor with no expectation in return. Grace makes healthy relationships possible. It makes good interactions with people possible. It makes actually the world a whole lot nicer place to live. It's not, you know, yelling and judging people and condemning people. Uh, I was trying to think of a, a, a good example of this during the week, and um, God reminded me of a very bad example that I did in my life. So I'll actually share what grace doesn't look like. And just just because I think, I, I hope that some of you can relate to this story. Um, I, I had ordered something um, from a kitchen place and um, something broke in our kitchen, this was a while ago now, and, um, and so I ordered it and they said, yeah, no problem, Mr. Gooman, that's fine, just in a couple of weeks we'll give you a call. And um, and we can get it. and so in the meantime, we just had to put up with this thing broken in our kitchen. and so that was fine. So you know your expectation is you know two weeks, oh, I'll give it a week, you know, you know how these things go. So after about three, three and a half weeks, I give them a call and say, "I oh, just wonder if that part oh no, it's not in yet, but we'll let you know, okay, okay it goes cool. goes about like six, seven weeks later. by this time, I'm getting you know it's pretty frustrating, you know, having to put up with this, so give them another call, it's like, oh yeah, 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 no, we've, we've got that, I'm pretty sure that it's ordered, I'm like, whoa, hang on a minute, <laughs> you told me six weeks ago you ordered it, like, yeah, surely you've got it, yeah, 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 no, it will get there, so another week or two goes by, at this point, I'm pulling my hair out, I'm just like, ah, oh, this is so frustrating, so eventually I went, right, I'm going in there, you <laughs> know. Now, see, you can you can see where the problem's coming, can't you? You know, there's there's not a whole lot of grace happening here. <laughs> you know, like, I had extended grace, but grace had run out, and um, so I, I, I go into this kitchen place, and um, and they just had a receptionist there, and you know, obviously, and so I go up to this receptionist, and I try and sort of be calm, and show grace, and I'm going just wondering, this is this is the part that I've ordered. I've phoned several times, still haven't seen it. Uh, oh, I don't see anything on the computer, okay, <laughs> and then she says, oh, I'll, I'll have to get someone to ring you back, well, I kind of lost it a little bit at that point, <laughs> believe it or not, I can get quite grumpy, and I can raise my voice quite strongly, and apparently I did do this um, at the time, <laughs> and, and, um, and so this poor receptionist got the, the whole story, and, um, and how upset I was, And I came away from that feeling, yeah, that uh, that probably wasn't my finest moment. And it obviously wasn't the finest moment because I got a phone call from this kitchen place the very next day saying that my part was there and it had been there for the last four weeks, which just by the way, I wasn't very happy about. But he then addressed, he says, can I just talk to you about the way you talk to my receptionist? And I went, ah, yep. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm meant to be a pastor. <laughs> you know? We we get it wrong sometimes. And I had to I just said, look, I am really, really sorry, and please pass on my apology to your receptionist because I, you know and I explained this to her. I said, Look, hey, it's just that I've been waiting so long and all that sort of thing and she just got a barrel full. So but I appreciate that it's difficult to walk into that kitchen place again <laughs> because, you know, I I damaged that relationship, and, um, and I didn't show grace. So grace is needed in all of our interactions, not just here in church, not, not just with our families, but with all the relationships in our lives. Now, let's, let's get some feedback on this one. What is it like for you when someone treats you with grace? What does it feel like? It's not a rhetorical question. You can give me some feedback. So what does it feel like when someone's being gracious? When it, humbling. humbling? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it feels like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're thinking, oh, you're being so nice. What are you going to ask me? Okay, yeah, yeah, good point. What, what else does it feel like for grace to be extended to you? Sometimes you can feel guilty, yeah, because you haven't been that nice, but they're being really nice to you, yep. What else? Relief, yeah. Valued, yeah, you definitely feel valued. You feel hurt, you you may feel understood, you might feel appreciated, you feel valued, and wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be just something, a, a way that we can communicate God to the world around us? that we can reveal His grace, that we give them a taste of what God is like. And, you know, it works both ways here, is they get a bit of a taste of what God's grace is like when we're gracious to them. But we also gain a vision of what God is communicating about them to us. We get a vision of what they could be. Larry Crabb, who's an author, um, says this. I love this quote. When I know that you love me, that you believe in me, that you recognize something terrific in me, that you long to see more released in my life, I'm more inclined to receive you, to let you pour into my life. Do you see what Larry Crabb's saying there? He's saying that if you show grace to other people, the more likely to go, okay, now you can speak into my life. Now, now, I've actually, now I'm ready to hear what you've got to say. See, grace gives us the space for connection. It gives us the space to grow. So as we go through this series, the, the first thing that I want you to keep in mind is this. Grace comes first. Grace comes first in our relationships. It's not the only thing that's needed in relationships, but grace comes first. And I'd like to think that this is a community where we express grace. Amen? That St. Martin C3 and the relationships that happen in this church as we connect with each other in our connect groups, as we pray together, as we meet together in worship, as we go on mission together, as we just do life together, that there is grace first. That we're not judging and condemning and, you know, beating up on each other, but we're giving each other grace. We're giving each other value. We're appreciating each other. We're, we're giving each other space to be themselves and to connect with them before we speak into their lives. We show grace, just as God did for us. And Jerry Cook, who's a, a pastor in America many years ago, and he actually founded his church based on this very principle. And actually, there was some controversy Around it, and, um, and you'll see why in a minute. But uh, this, is, this is the quote in one of his books, and because uh, some people feel that he almost went too far on the grace thing. But I, I love this quote. He says, This the minimal guarantee we must make to people is that they be loved. And this he means all people, he's not just meaning people who behave, always under every circumstance, with no exception. The second guarantee is that they will be totally accepted without reservation. The third thing we must guarantee people is that no matter how miserably they fail or how blatantly they sin, unreserved forgiveness is theirs for the asking with no no bitter taste left in anybody's mouth. Imagine if we as a church could do that. What grace would look like. Now I know some of you are going. Hang on a minute. There's a there's a caveat here. This is a, like we side note, because some of you are going. Hang on a minute. And this is the criticism that Jerry got in this church. People went. Hang on a minute. If you're going to be so gracious and so loving and so forgiving as a church, well, aren't you just going to be a doormat? Aren't people just going to use you and abuse you, because they know that you'll just. You'll just keep forgiving. You'll just keep being gracious. They'll, they'll just walk all over you. Now, let me just be very clear here in this sermon, and it's in your notes during the week. If you're in a situation where you are being abused or there is there is an issue of safety, um, that, that you're in a really unhealthy situation, then you, no, you should not tolerate that. There is a point where grace does... Have its limits, and you need to remove yourself from that situation. So, let me just be really clear that grace isn't always needed in every situation. Uh, I, I remember um, we were living over here in St. Martin's Road, and the girls went over to the neighbours. I can't remember why, it must, might be for fundraising for 40 hour famine or something like that. And Joel was only like two or three years old, and um, he had never walked out the gate before, but he walked out of our section, and Jenny and I are looking around going, where's Joel gone? And then we went, oh, maybe he's followed the girls. So we ran out on the street. Joel is standing on the traffic island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm admitting a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> I just realised. He's, he's standing on the traffic island in between the two lanes of traffic on the roundabout just over here in Gamlin's Road, St Martin's Road. And I just called out to Joel. I said, Joel, stand still. Just stand still, you know. Now, you might go, well, that's not very gracious. But there are situations, okay, where, you know, there is a safety situation or there is a crisis moment, and you don't need to show grace. You just need to be really clear in communicating what you need to communicate and do what you need. But those are exceptions to the rule, okay? So I appreciate that there are, there are extreme situations where we don't need to show grace. But generally, 98% of the time in our relationships, let's put grace first. Grace comes first. Fortunately, Joel actually obeyed and stood still and were able to get over and get, carry him back home and we are very aware of where he was from that point on. But, uh, you know, these things happen. So, um, how do we do that? Let's look at a couple of situations how we put grace first as a church community, and here's—I just picked a couple of. You could apply this in a whole lot of situations, but I thought we'd just tackle two today. Here's the first one: letting people feel your acceptance before they conform to your standards. Hmm, here's the big one: letting people feel that they're acceptable and accepted, and connected, and valued by you, whether they actually hold your moral code or not. Now, when someone comes and connects with us, or we're connecting with them, and they're very different in their outlook to life than you as a Christian person, because generally um, Christians have a strong conservative moral um, ethic, and that's good, but not everyone in the world does, and so when you're hanging around people like that, it, it can make you feel a bit uncomfortable. It can maybe make you feel almost a little bit unfair, like, hey, I'm, I'm working hard to be good at you, you should be too, or whatever the reason is. But it, it's, it's more that just sense of, I, I'm just not comfortable around all your swearing and your crassness or whatever it is. Now, again, I, I appreciate if there's kids around and all that sort of thing, there is a, and if it's your home that's, that's You know, there are standards. But here's the thing. Their experience of God's love is more important than your need to feel comfortable. I'll say that again. Their experience of God's love is more important than your need to feel comfortable. So surely we as Christians can handle a little bit of that rough edges, I suppose, of people that are either coming into church or connecting with us, and we show the grace first, even if we're a little bit uncomfortable with it. A a few years ago, I was at a um, church barbecue, not a church barbecue, better get this right. (laughs) I was at a a, a work barbecue with Ginny's work, and um, they had, it was kind of, you could sort of invite your partners and Boyfriends and girlfriends along, things like that. So there was this girl just standing there who I didn't know, and um, so I just started chatting to her and I said, Oh, so what do you do? And and everyone was everyone else in Ginny's work knows that I'm a pastor, right? So they're kind of looking at me, going, Okay, this is a bit weird that Warren's talking to this girl. But I didn't know why they thought this was weird, you know. But then I realised, because I said, Oh, so what are you doing? She goes, Oh, I'm a dancer. And I went, Oh, that's interesting. I don't meet many dancers, you know. Joe's looking at her, I know where this is going, you know. And uh, and I said, Oh, so, so where do you get work as a dancer? And she goes, I'll work for calendar girls in town. And I'm like, Then I realized, okay, <laughs> you live in a very different world than I live in. And at that moment, I could go, Okay, this is. This is just a really awkward conversation and I don't know how to relate to you, so I just go, Okay, that's cool. <laughs> and walk away. But I didn't. I, I went, okay, let's let's just chat. And, and and we had a very interesting conversation. And 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 I and it was interesting because there were other people at Jenny's workplace going, that's kind of weird that, that the pastor's talking to the starts or <laughs> something. Let's let's call her that. And um and but that's the point. Is that grace comes first, in that my my feeling of being a little bit uncomfortable talking to someone who comes from a very different worldview than me is is not that big of a deal. I can handle that. I, I, I'm okay with that. But it's maybe more important for her to receive some of God's life, some of God's truth, some of um, God's Witness into her life and what she was going through. And I don't know if I had much effect on that at all, but we let you have the conversation and see how it goes. See, the point here is that we don't expect people to behave before they belong. That we are okay with people coming into our church and exploring the journey of faith, even if they don't behave all the ways that we expect them to behave quite yet. We show them grace. We extend grace to them. Remember that grace was extended to you. And remember, grace will still be extended, extended to you. You aren't perfect, and as you can hear today, I'm not perfect either. We're all on that journey. We all need grace. So let's extend that same grace to others. So that's, that's, that's one example. Here's another one. Is restoring a relationship with each other when we've been offended. Hmm. Now the rubber's hitting the road. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, if you're coming to church to worship, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, that you're out of a relationship, that you've had a falling out, leave your worship, First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift at the altar. Wow. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying reconciliation matters. It really mattered to God. God so valued reconciliation that he gave his life that we might be reconciled to him. He extended grace to us. And we were the offending party. We were the ones rebelling against God. And you might say, oh, but you don't know what this person has done. No, I don't know what this person has done. But what the Bible calls us to do is at least extend grace, offer grace. Now, what does that look like? What that looks like is that we pray for the person. Trust me, it shifts your perspective in a tense relationship when you start praying for them. Give that a try. Take the initiative and extend grace and go, hey, can we work this out? Now, it's going to take two of you to to work it out and we'll explore in weeks to come kind of what that looks like. We'll go into a little bit more detail around that. But for now, the important thing to see is that grace comes first. You're not going to reconcile a relationship if you keep... Um, holding on to, well, this is, this is right, I'm in the right, and they're in the wrong, and that's just the way it is, and there's no going to gonna be no grace. If you're not going to extend grace, the relationship's just not going to happen. If you do get that chance to have a conversation with them, affirm them and, af- and extend grace to them first. Say, hey, I, I want this relationship to be right. I want to do right by you, but we need to talk about this. And, and again, maybe next week we'll explore kind of what that looks like because next week we'll look at, well, we still have to value truth and what truth looks like, but first we need to extend grace because someone isn't going to be prepared to look at, well, what are all the aspects of what happened here until they know that you're there for them, as, as Larry Crabb said before. there are I, I appreciate that that church sometimes, because we, we hang out quite a bit together, we do life together, that there are offences that happen in church. I wish that it didn't happen. I wish that we, I, you could go through church life and everything's rosy and it's, and it's all sweet. That would be wonderful. But we're like an extended family, and just like in natural families you have a bit of a falling out, sometimes relationships uh, get even a bit tense in, in church families. I've experienced that. And it is painful. I hate it. I, I never want to be in a situation where I've had someone in a church community and, and you know, you're know you walking down the street and you kind of go, oh, hang on, I think I might have to walk on the other str- side to avoid that. Bridge. Like, let, We don't want to do that. We don't want to burn bridges. And so I've done the best that I can in my life to... Restore relationships that are, that are broken in church. And if, if I offend you, then please let's, let's extend grace to each other and let's resolve it. Because God has a vision for His church where it's a place of grace, it's a place of love that there's reconciliation happens. And maybe even God's bringing to mind now a relationship that you need to restore. A conversation that you need to have with a workmate or a family member or maybe even someone in church. Pray that God gives you the grace to have that conversation and to do it really well. You see, when the world sees that we can actually do this stuff well, that we can actually relate to each other the way that God expects us to, that we can love each other, we value each other, we can accept each other, that this is a place of grace, not a place of judgment, then I, I just kind of think revival might start from a place like that. I think it would be pretty cool to see what happens when we as a church really grasp this truth that grace comes first. It will impact so many of the relationships around our lives.